What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 104, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 251 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, July 11, 2020, from Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, also known as Fight Island, where the UFC will be taking place for the next several events. This fight card has 13 fights on it that will air across ESPN Plus, ESPN the TV channel, and then on pay-per-view for the main card. We got a lot of great fights, three title fights. It's amazing that we're getting this type of quality card in the middle of this pandemic. And it seems like all the fighters have been tested for COVID. Everyone's healthy so far. Everyone just has to make weight tomorrow. We are recording this on Thursday, so uh, make sure you check and see if any fights have been canceled before listening through the the whole podcast. But we're going to start things off in the bantamweight division where we have Martin Day taking on Davey Grant. The opening betting line for this one was... A pick at minus 110 for both fighters. Since then, much more action has come in on Martin Day. He is now minus 165 to Grant at plus 145. So I think that Martin Day being the favorite is acceptable here. He's definitely the younger fighter with a lot more upside. Uh, Grant's kind of a veteran who doesn't fight too much, and it's definitely uh, underrated by a lot of MMA bettors. Uh, I, I think I underrated him last fight. He was an underdog versus uh, Popov, and I was picking Popov in that fight, but Grant looked really good. He was uh, winning the striking exchanges on the feet in that one, and he was hitting a lot of takedowns and outgrappling Popov. He won a very comfortable decision in that fight, and he proved that he still has a lot left in the tank. Meanwhile, Martin Day has only fought in the UFC one time. It was against uh, Pingyang Lu, and he lost that fight via decision. To be honest, though, I thought Martin Day won round one and two of that fight, and he should have won the decision, but I think it took place in China, and uh, Day honestly didn't put a convincing stamp on those rounds, so it's honestly not too unexpected that he lost that fight via decision, but in that fight, he he showed a little bit of a suspect chin. He got dropped by a punch in round three. He's been dropped and knocked out a few times before. He actually got knocked out by some guard ground and pound before, which is definitely a big concern, so I think that uh, the chin of Day is a concern, and I think that the cardio is a bit of a concern as well. I think he tends to slow down in the second half of round two, and definitely in round three he has some pretty good takedown defense he's definitely been improving that i think that was his biggest issue a few fights ago and it's looked like he's improving on that fight to fight but i still think the takedown defense is a bit of a concern and i think that there's just too many questions around day to be betting him as a favorite he's coming off of an 18 month layoff he has a bit of a suspect chin a bit of a suspect cardio and does not have great defensive grappling so all those factors are enough to to just pass on day's money line and I think that Grant has a lot of advantages in this fight that might even uh, cause you to bet on Grant at, at that plus 145 underdog price. I think he's the much better grappler of the two. He shot a lot of takedowns versus Popov. Showed some decent top control. Not really uh, you know, overly uh, dominant top control. But if he's getting the fight to the floor, I think that he will get some top time versus Day here. And on the feet, I think this is just a very even matchup. They're both uh, very similar strikers. They both um, tend to throw mostly kicks. They're both... Uh, definitely kickers on the feet and their boxing isn't bad either they don't throw many punches but when they do they they usually are effective so on the feet in this one i think it's going to be a close to 50 50 maybe a slight advantage today because he's just the younger faster fighter 
But when we're comparing the grappling of the two, I think that there's a pretty significant advantage to Grant in this one. So Martin Day is going to have to keep the fight standing. He's going to have to stuff takedowns. And he's going to have to be the more active and uh, higher volume striker on the feet. And I just think that's a little too much to rely on uh, for him to be betting uh, betting him as a favorite. He has to stuff takedowns, stay on the feet, and outstrike Grant, while Grant has much more ways to win. So... I agree with Day being the favorite. Maybe I think minus 130 would be more accurate for him. I, I give this fight like 55% chance to today and 45% chance to Grant. But I'm actually going to side with the underdog Grant. I think that he hits takedowns. He's the slightly more effective striker on the feet. And he manages to scrape two out of three rounds to win this decision. It's going to be a close a fight, close decision type of fight. But I'm going to side with the underdog Grant here. And I will probably end up betting him for about one unit. The next fight is in the women's bantamweight division. We have Vanessa Mello taking on Carol Hosa. The opening betting lines for this one was Hosa minus 210 to Mello plus 160. Right now we are seeing Hosa minus 245 to Mello plus 205. This is a pretty low level fight. I don't have much interest in this one, so I'll try to keep it short. I think that Hosa is the much more well-rounded fighter, um, but she just gets a little hit a little bit too much for my liking to be confidently playing her at minus 200 or above. I mean, in that last fight versus uh, Procopio, she got hit like 150 times, and she did land 160, 170 of her own strikes, uh, but she just didn't seem to have much defense on, on the feet in that one, and I think that she's the better striker and the better grappler than Mello. Mello is really stiff, slow, struggles uh, stuff and takedowns, struggles staying off of her back. And I guess she could keep the fight a little bit competitive on the feet because uh, neither fighter has really good defense and they both are probably just going to be exchanging punches. So I think that mellow decision at plus 340, that's what it was earlier in the week. I'll check out what it is now. I think that's good value because I think Mello's like past seven or eight wins have all been by decision. So if she wins this fight, it's almost no doubt by decision. She's shown almost no finishing ability from what I've seen from her. So if you really wanted to put some action on this fight, I would recommend betting Hosa Moneyline and Mello Decision because Hosa can win the fight via knockout submission or decision while I believe Mello's only chance of winning is by a close decision where uh, they're just exchanging on the feet the entire time with no defense. But that's pretty much what Rose's last fight was, so it's entirely possible that happens. But I think uh, Hosa has the much higher volume, the be better striking technique, has the ability to hit takedowns, um, and I don't think that we're we're too likely to see grappling from either side in this one because they're both just sloppy grapplers in general. But I got to side with Rosa. Her, her last fight was uh, a decent win against Procopio. Good output, good cardio through all three rounds. Had like 50, 60 strikes landed in every round. So I think she's pretty consistent and she probably should beat Melo pretty easily here. So the pick is going to be uh, Hosa by decision. But in money line, it's dog or pass. And if you really want to play this fight, once again, Hosa money line and Melo decision is probably a good way to play both sides the next fight is in the flyweight division we have holion paiva taking on zalgas zumagulov the opening betting line for this one was paiva the favorite at minus 115 to zumagulov minus 105 a near pick'em. and right now we are seeing paiva minus 170 to zumagulov plus 150 so much more action coming in on holion paiva and i agree with that action i think that Paiva is the much more proven fighter. He has the wins in the UFC over some decent competition as well. I believe that he beat Kaikar France. He got a nice knockout over Mark De La Rosa in his last fight. His boxing looks really, really sharp. I mean, Paiva has great takedown defense. 
uh, I, really solid defensive grappling shown in the Kai Car France fight, and really high level offensive striking shown in that Mark De La Rosa fight last fight. So I'm pretty high on Paiva. I rate him pretty highly. And what I saw from Zumagulov is I was a bit underwhelmed, honestly. He's fought in some pretty tough competition over in Fight Nights Global in Russia. But I think a few of these fights, his most recent two fights, I thought he could have lost both of those fights, honestly. He has pretty bad takedown defense. He really struggles getting off of his back. Sometimes he can play guard and just stay on his back for way too long. And on the feet, I'm really unimpressed with his striking. I've seen very little effective striking out of him. He just seems like a, a more comfortable grappler and just hasn't really adapted to the striking very well. So you look on his record and you see, um, you know, he's... Eight, uh, seven and one in his past eight fights. He's gotten decision wins over, you know, recognizable fighters like Ali Bagu Utinov. You might think that Zumagulov is like a blue chip prospect, but I, I, I think I've seen the opposite. I think he's very underwhelming. And I've not been impressed with him at all. And I think that Zumagulov could really struggle with this three-round fight. He's fought in five-round fights in three or four fights in a row. And he's definitely gotten used to that type of style. Very similar to Alexei Kinchenko, uh, who's also a similar Russian fighter, um, who just couldn't really adapt to the UFC in terms of the three-round fights. In terms of striking, I give a pretty significant advantage to Holyon Paiva in this one. So I think that Zumagulov is going to have to hit takedowns if he wants to hit this fight, to, if he wants to win this fight. But from what I've seen of Paiva's defensive grappling, I think that he will be able to stuff takedowns, avoid getting stuck on his back, and avoid getting out grappled by Zumagulov. Because even if Zumagulov gets you down, I have not seen a, a great top game from him. He does not have great control or submissions on the ground. So I think he could be in for a long night here. I'm actually pretty confident confident in holding on Piva in this one. I think he wins the striking exchanges on the feet, avoids getting uh, taken down and stuck on his back, and he could even win this fight by finish because I think Zumagulov will be uh, outclassed on the feet and not really know what to do. So I think it's uh, very possible that we see a knockout from Piva in this one. And if Zumagulov wins, it could be by some uh, some submission on the ground. Maybe he gets top position and keeps it for three rounds, but I would be really surprised by that because I just have not seen anything on tape uh, from Zumagulov to think that he can beat Paiva here. So the pick is going to be wholly on Paiva, and honestly, at minus 170, there's still value on his money line. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Marcin Tapura taking on Maxim Grishin. The opening betting line for this one was... Tabura minus 145 to Grishin plus 115. Right now we are seeing Tabura minus 115 to Grishin minus 105. So more action coming in on Grishin. It's a pretty much a near pick'em right now. And I agree with the action coming in on Grishin. I don't think that Tabura can be a favorite in this fight. Uh, even though Grishin is a light heavyweight, he's moving up to heavyweight here on short notice. Uh, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. I think that he is the more effective striker of the two. He's definitely going to have a big speed advantage over Tabura. Uh, nothing incredible in terms of his power on the feet, but I don't think you, he really needs to have power in this situation. He just needs to have a good jab, a good leg kick, and he's going to be the better athlete, the more agile guy. And I Right, right off the bat, I favor Grishin because of his movement, because of his length. I think that Tabura is really struggling to outstrike people uh, in this stage of his career. He was uh, looked terrible versus Shamil, got knocked out in that fight, 
came out and got knocked out by Sakai in about 60 seconds and was even losing some striking exchanges to Sergei Spivak in his last fight before he adapted and started hitting takedowns and outgrappling Spivak to win that fight via decision. So Tabura definitely had a, a, a decent comeback win in his last fight over Spivak, but I think that he still showed a lot of the same weaknesses that he did in the previous fights. He just looks slow on the feet. He does not look to avoid punches very well uh, on the feet at all. So I think that Tabura is going to need to hit takedowns in this fight to win. And I've seen enough takedown defense from Grishin to believe that he can avoid getting taken down, avoid getting stuck on his back, and likely outstrikes Tabura on the feet uh, on his way to a decision or possible knockout. And Grishin has defended a lot of takedowns uh, in the Jordan Johnson fights. He he did get pushed up against the cage a lot. He did get taken down a few times, but he didn't really give up uh, dominant positions. He didn't let Johnson uh, get uh, do- uh, on top for very long, and he was able to separate. He was able to get back up to his feet and land the more effective strikes and actually won a few of those rounds despite him getting cage pushed or out grappled for two to three minutes each round. So I think that's what happens here. We might see Taburo looking to cage push and looking to hit takedowns but Grishin's going to defend and he's going to separate and he's going to land the more effective strikes and he's going to probably win these rounds by uh, being the more effective striker and avoiding the the um, offensive grappling of Tabura here so it's not the most confident pick because uh, it's Grishin's UFC debut it's short notice it's at heavyweight which is not his uh, natural weight class but I think I've seen enough weaknesses from Tabura and I've seen enough uh, advantages for Grishin in this fight that I think that he wins this fight so the pick is going to be Grishin by decision I think it's more likely than knockout because I just haven't been impressed with Grishin's power but with the way Tabura has been absorbing strikes in the feet lately I would not be surprised by a Grishin knockout so and my, my pick in this one is going to be Grishin by decision, at, and at minus 105, there is value on Grishin. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Leonardo Santos taking on Roman Bogatov. The opening betting line for this one was Santos, the favorite, at minus 192, Bogatov at plus 150. Right now, we are seeing Santos minus 160 to Bogatov at plus 140. So, a little more action coming in on Bogatov in this one. Although, I believe there is two way action coming in on this fight, and I think I'm surprised to see the action coming back on Bogatov. What I saw from Bogatov on tape was a completely one dimensional fighter. It seems like offensive wrestling is the only way that he wins fights. It does not seem like he's very confident in his striking at all. The most striking I've seen from Bogatov is him throwing like flying knees and spinning back kicks and none of them look good technique. It looks like he's just kind of spamming strikes. Uh, And I will say one thing about Bogatov is he's much better at open space takedowns than against the cage. When he was fighting over an M1, when his opponents were able to put their backs against the rope or the cage, he struggled getting them down. So I think he's definitely going to have to look to hit his takedowns in open space if he wants to get Leo Santos down here. And uh, one more thing I will mention about Bogatov striking is that he does not check leg kicks at all. I've seen him get leg kicked over and over again, and it seems like he has no idea how to check the leg kicks. It seems like he just toughs it out but um, getting over to Santos he's a very uh, inactive fighter only one fight in his past three or four years and he's also old he's 40 years old which is considerably old for a lightweight in these lighter weight classes but I mean we saw in Santos's last fight against Stevie Ray he is still incredibly sharp he came back from a three-year layoff and looked like he took no time off at all. He was comfortable right away. He was landing great body kicks, leg kicks on Stevie Ray, and then eventually landed a picture-perfect 
counter right hand that put Stevie Ray out cold. I mean, I was so impressed with Santos from that fight. Uh, I think I was picking Ray to beat him in that one, and Santos came back, looked like he had no ring rust, looked like he had actually made some pretty sizable improvements from his last fight. And I mean, Santos definitely still has a lot left in the tank. And Santos, we should mention, is an incredible grappler. He's, you know, he's got multiple degrees on his black belt. For most of his career, Santos was primarily a grappler, but he's been really improving his striking a lot the past few years, and it definitely showed in that Stevie Ray fight. And I think that Santos has a great style to prevent Bogutov from uh, outgrappling him. You know, he's got great jujitsu on the ground, so he can use some chokes and use some submission sweeps to get off of his back if he gets taken down. And I think that his striking on the feet will be a great deterrent for Bogotov as well. He's going to be throwing leg kicks, looking to, to shut down the movement of Bogotov, looking to land counter punches on Bogotov. So I'm going to pick Thiago Santos in this one, or uh, Leo Santos in this one. And I'm actually pretty confident in him as well because he has the takedown defense, the jujitsu to stay off of his back. He has the striking to punish and hurt Bogotov on the feet. And he's just a much more experienced guy. He's got uh, better wins over better competition. A lot of Bogotov's wins are, are, were unimpressive, uh, fighting pretty poor defensive grapplers. I mean, he had some nice submissions over a few of them. But, I mean, like I said, Bogotov, very one-dimensional. He's looking to hit takedowns. He doesn't even have the greatest top game. So I definitely don't think that he'll easily outgrapple an incredible jiu-jitsu guy like Santos in this one. So... My only worry about Santos is him getting taken down and trying to play guard, going for submissions off his back. Maybe he's a little too uh, content to, to play guard and to go for submissions off his back and ends up losing rounds in the process of doing so. But I think that this one is going to go to Leo Santos. I actually think there's a pretty good chance that he finishes Bogotov. Bogotov is probably going to gas out, start shooting bad takedowns. Santos might get top position. He might catch a neck, catch a limb, get a submission. So I think Santos can win this fight by knockout submission or decision, while Bogotov's most likely path to victory is probably a decision via top time. And I just don't think that's likely versus a great grappler like Santos. So the pick in this one is going to be Leo Santos. He is 40 years old, but I still think at minus 160, he's a safe bet because I think him pretty heavily in this one at closer to 70 to 75 percent instead of around 62 percent where the odds indicate so again pick is santos by finish the next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have makwan amir khani taking on danny henry the opening betting line for this one was makwan minus 155 to henry plus 115 right now we are seeing amir khani minus 210 to henry plus 175 so a lot more action coming in on the favorite makwan amir khani i agree with the action coming in on makwan early but i think where it's at now is probably a pass on both sides for me i don't really see much value in either fighter at these current prices I think Amir Khani is more likely to win the fight via taking Henry down and out grappling him, but we have not really seen too much defensive grappling from Danny Henry. I mean, he's only had three fights in the UFC. One fight, he was getting uh, outstruck and rocked bad versus Daniel Tamer. Tamer gassed out, and Henry took over, won the second half of the fight, rounds two and three. Really dominated Tamer in those later rounds, but Tamer was so gassed out and so finished. Uh, but Henry couldn't even finish him. I mean, he was on top in round three for pretty much the entire round, but just didn't have any finishing ability here. And that kind of worries me about Henry because... 
Amir Khani makes a lot of mistakes. He can end up in bad positions on the ground. He doesn't have the greatest defense on the feet. He has a pretty suspect chin, as I mentioned before. So if you're a good finisher, you can catch Maquan in some bad positions and, and get him out of there right away. But if Henry, not really the greatest finisher. So I, I really don't like his chances in this fight. He's going to have to stuff a lot of takedowns, stay off of his back, avoid getting uh, get stuck on bottom. And we just haven't seen the takedown defense from Henry to think that he can do so. Uh, we've seen him get that that finish over uh, Hakim Dawadu, but that was a, a very rare result. I think if they fought another 10 times, uh, Dawadu would win 9 out of those 10 times. So Henry definitely hit his, his win condition in that fight, but I would not take too much from that Dawadu fight. And I wouldn't take too much from the Ige fight when he, Henry got rocked and submitted in a minute. So... Henry is really unproven, even though he's had three fights in the UFC. There's just not that much tape of Henry defending takedowns. So it's hard to be confident in either side here. I think it's hard to be confident in Amir Khani to hit takedowns and keep top position. And it's hard to be confident in Henry to stuff takedowns and avoid being on his back. So the pick is going to be Amir Khani to win via decision or submission. I think that he does outgrapple Henry. But on the feet in this one, it's going to be competitive. Henry could be winning these exchanges, hurting Amir Khani with punches and the fight could definitely go either way so it's not a confident pick but the pick is going to be Amir Khani by decision might even see a submission from Makwan and um, this would be a good live betting spot I mean if Amir Khani expends a lot of energy in round one maybe look to a live bet Henry to, to win that fight and to come back like he did versus Tamer not too long ago so the pick in this one is going to be Amir Khani by decision but it's dogger pass at these odds the next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos taking on Muslim Salikov. The opening betting line for this one was Salikov minus 190 to Dos Santos at plus 165. Since then, line margins have tightened up. We're now seeing Salikov minus 135 to Dos Santos plus 115. So there's two-way action coming in on this fight. Their early action came in on Dos Santos, but ever since then, uh, Muslim Salikov has been getting bet these past few days. And I think that Salikov is the right side here. I think this fight will be contested mostly in the striking. And I think that Salikov is just the more effective and damaging striker of the two. I think he's got more punching power, and I think he's more effective with his kicks as well. And Zaleski has just looked pretty underwhelming in his past two fights. In my opinion, he lost the Alexei Konchenko fight. He was outstruck in rounds two and three of that fight, and he should have lost, but he got a uh, hometown decision in Brazil. And in the fight before that, he looked extremely f flat versus Li Jingliang, got outstruck all fight, and finished in round three of that one. So I think Zaleski has possibly started to decline a little bit. At one point, he was on uh, a nice winning streak, maybe six or seven wins in a row, had some spinning back kick knockouts, flying knee knockouts, and even uh, took down Curtis Melinder and choked him out with a rear naked choke in round one. So I think that Zaleski has an advantage in this one, and it's going to be on the ground. I think that he's the better grappler of the two. Salikov has struggled with grappling. He got taken down and submitted by Alex Garcia for his only loss in the UFC. The path of least resistance for Zaleski is going to be to hit takedowns and try to submit Salikov on the ground. And we have not really seen too much defensive grappling from Salikov ever since uh, he was taken down and submitted by Garcia. I think he stuffed a few of Ricky Rainey's takedowns, but Rainey's not really a great grappler. So 
Zaleski is definitely going to have to hit takedowns to, to win this fight. I just don't think that he has the volume or the effective striking to win this fight on the feet. And I think that Salikov is going to be landing the better punches and the better kicks on the feet. So I'm going to side with Salikov in this one. I think that he avoids getting taken down and submitted and lands the more effective strikes to win the rounds. But he's not the most highest output guy himself. And he we do have that concern about him getting taken down. So at this price where it's at now, I think it's... Maybe a little bit of value on Salikov. I would put his chances around 60-65%. But for a fight that's probably going to be a close decision, just like Zaleski's last fight, I'm in no rush to bet Salikov at minus 135. I think the people who got in on him at minus 110, minus 115, that was a good price. But where it's at now is going to be a pass on both sides, although Salikov's decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Volkan Ozdemir taking on Yuri Prochaska. The opening betting line for this one was Ozdemir minus 150, Prochaska plus 130. Right now we are seeing Ozdemir minus 145 to Prochaska plus 125. So Prochaska is making his UFC debut here. He's coming off of a lot of victories in Ryzen, but a lot of these wins are over kind of past prime fighters like Brandon Halsey, Muhammad Lawal, Fabio Maldonado, CB Dalloway. I mean, all four of those guys I just mentioned are very old past their prime fighters who weren't even that great to begin with so Prochaska did finish all of them but I don't think that I've seen anything impressive from Prochaska on tape I mean I think that he really struggles with defensive grappling he was taken down and held down for a long time by uh, Albrechtson when they fought uh, he spent four or five minutes on his back throughout that fight and Basically, in the last 30 seconds of the round, he stood up, landed a few strikes on Alperetskin, and uh, the referee stopped it a little prematurely. But that was a terrible fight from Prochaska. I mean, he spent eight or nine minutes on his back, but still was able to win the fight. I've seen Prochaska get taken down by a lot of his opponents. Mo Lawal took him down. I believe Halsey took him down. Kapaloza dropped him with a jab. I've not seen Prochaska check any leg kicks. It seems like he's just willing to eat the leg kicks. So a lot of weaknesses I've seen from Prochaska. He's not too impressive on the feet. I mean, he does seem to have decent power, good speed, uh, good technique. I mean, he's a, he's a great athlete. I will give him that. But in terms of, of MMA skill, I don't think he's that great. His defensive grappling is a big problem that I think could really be exposed throughout his UFC career and even be exposed by Volkan Ozdemir. I mean, Ozdemir is definitely a striker at heart, but he's definitely been in incorporating more uh, offensive wrestling into his game plans. He hit a few takedowns versus uh, Dominic Reyes, uh, most notably, and was able to get some top time versus him. So I don't think Ozdemir is likely to stay on top for long, but the fact that Prochaska just has such bad takedown defense and such bad ability to get off of his back, we might see Ozdemir just hit a few takedowns just to, to get some points up on the board and to, to win these rounds more decisively. And on the feet, I think that it should be quite competitive i think i still give the advantage to ozdemir just because i've seen a little more effective offense from him i think he's the the, the harder puncher of the two and i think that prochaska just kind of fights a little lackadaisical on the outside he's circling a lot he throws a lot of leg kicks and i just haven't seen him sit down on a lot of his punches i haven't seen him have good pressure and be able to to corner his opponents to cut off the cage i just have not seen any of those skills from pachaska and him getting a bunch of uh, knockouts over past prime fighters is why he's lined closer in this fight i think that uh, ozdemir actually deserves more of a minus 200 price tag next to his name because he's a much more proven fighter he's got wins 
wins over the the better competition. And I think that Ozdemir is actually able to outstrike uh, Prochaska, maybe hit takedowns, and likely win this fight by either knockout or decision. So Yuri's best path to victory is going to be aggressive, try to get in some brawling exchanges, and not fool around at distance. Because I think at distance, Volkan is the better striker and likely leg kicks him, lands his own punches, and probably finishes Prochaska. So if Prochaska wants to win this fight, he's going to have to make it ugly, get in close, get inside the pocket, and try to land bombs on uh, Ozdemir. But I don't think he does so. I think Ozdemir is able to avoid the the offensive onslaught from Pachaska, hit takedowns, neutralize his striking, and land his own effective strikes. So I'm going to pick Volkan to win this one. I'll go with second round TKO for him, and I think at minus 145, there's some good value on Volkan Ozdemir. The next fight is the first fight on the main card in the women's flyweight division. We have Paige Van Zandt taking on Amanda Hibas. The opening betting line for this one was Hibas minus 450 to Van Zandt plus 350. Right now, we are seeing Hibas minus 750 to Van Zant plus 525. So, Rebos opened up as a massive favorite, and she is still getting bet as a massive favorite. People are throwing her in parlays, betting her straight, all types of stuff. But I will say the, where the line is at now, it's Dogger Pass. I think that Amanda Hibas should win the fight. She's better everywhere better striker by a pretty wide margin and I think she's the more effective grappler too. We've seen Hibas hit her own takedowns, stay on top, submit opponents. We've seen her stuff takedowns from Mackenzie Dern, get off of her back. Paige Van Zandt has been pretty inactive for the past two years and her most recent fight was against uh, Rachel Ostovich about 18 months ago and she was getting taken down and dominated by Ostovich early. She was playing guard, not trying to get off of her back, going for guard submissions and Ostovich was kind of dominating from top position. She won round one really convincingly, was on top for over four minutes. And Van Zant was walking into right hands from Ostovich. She even gotten taken down again in round two. It looked like Ostovich was on her way to winning a decisive decision. But Ostovich went for a sloppy armbar attack or something. Ended up on bottom. Van Zant took her back and was able to get a sloppy armbar from Ostovich's back. I mean, it was just a really, really sloppy fight. Ostovich was in total control and managed to lose the fight and let it slip through her fingers. So not a really impressive victory from Van Zandt at all. She looked pretty bad in that one. Meanwhile, Hibas has only had a few fights in the UFC, but she's looking better and better every fight. I think that she'll be the much more effective striker. She'll probably hit takedowns and dominate Paige Van Zandt on the mat. So the pick is going to be Hibas by decision. I haven't seen too much finishing ability from Hibas besides the rear naked choke she got over Whitmire. I think that Van Zandt is tough enough and is scrambly enough on the ground to not get totally wiped out. Uh, but we could see a submission. We could see an, a, a TKO from Hiba. She really can win the fight in whatever way she wants. And the only way I see Paige Van Zant winning is getting in some crazy uh, grappling exchange where she takes it back and gets a submission. Maybe lands some wild strike on the feet like a flying head kick like versus Beck Rawlings. But I, I think the chances are extremely low. And I think that at minus or even at plus 525, there's really not much value. Maybe if she's plus 600, maybe throw a quarter of a unit, half a unit on Van Zandt just because it's women's MMA and minus 1,000 favorites never work out right. So the pick is Hibas by decision. I think she dominates, but it's going to be dogger pass in terms of the betting line. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Jessica Andrade taking on Rose Namajunas. The opening betting line for this one was... Namunas minus 170 to 
Andrade plus 145. Right now we are seeing Namunis minus 222, Andrade plus 180. So this is a rematch of the title fight from last May. That fight was a, a closer betting line. I think Andrade was a slight favorite going into that fight, minus 120, and Namunis was plus 100. Andrade won the fight as a favorite and is now an underdog in the rematch. And it sounds crazy, but when you rewatch that first fight, you you realize that Rose was in complete control of the fight. She was uh, outstriking and hurting Andrade right away. She dropped her with a knee in round one, dominated round one. She was stuffing the takedowns of Andrade. Andrade was trying to pick her up and slam her for the first few times. And uh, Namunis was doing well uh, defending, but... Sooner or later, in the second round, after multiple takedown attempts, Andrade just picked Namunis up and slammed her on her neck and knocked her out. Probably one of the craziest knockouts in UFC history, especially when you consider it came. It took place in a, a championship main event on a pay-per-view, too. It's just such a rare outcome that Andrade was totally outclassed on the feet, couldn't take her down, couldn't touch her in the striking. So Andrade just lifts her up and slams her on her head, and it worked. She won. But that's why you see her as an underdog here is because that's not really a replicable outcome. I mean, she was getting dominated throughout that fight and was lucky enough to, to lift Rose and to slam her. And I just don't think that's a very uh, replicable thing. You can't hit that at a high percentage. And the, the fight being three rounds instead of five rounds also favors Rose Namunis in this one because Andrade is just so tough and she just marches forward with nonstop pressure. Andrade has been notoriously durable throughout her career, but in her last fight against Weili Zhang, she fought like an idiot, went out there throwing bombs with no defense, got hurt with the punch, and swarmed with some offense, and got finished in round one. But that was in the first 60 seconds, and I don't think we really learned too much from that fight. So, talking about the rematch here, I think you have to favor Rose Namunis because she just prove that she's the much better fighter in that first fight and if if it weren't for that crazy outcome where she got picked up and slammed on her head she probably would have won that fight so if rose namunis can adjust her takedown defense a little bit so she doesn't cling on to that kimura and give andrade the opportunity to lift and slam her she should be able to avoid the takedowns of andrade and on the feet Andrade was completely able, unable to touch Rose at all. I mean, she might have hit her with a few leg kicks, but her punches were missing by a mile. She just had no setup to her punches. And, I mean, that's been the story of Andrade's career. She's never been a good striker. She just marches forward with nonstop pressure and throws volume. But Rose is smart enough. She's good enough to avoid that. She has good uh, lateral movement. She can move backwards and avoid that uh, predictable offense of Andrade. But if I were Andrade, what I would want to do is throw a ton of leg kicks. I mean, you couldn't hit her with the punches. So if you slam leg kicks and try to limit Rose's movement, that's how you get her uh, less mobile. That's how you start landing your own strikes and possibly looking to hit takedowns or, or slam her again. I mean, we might see Andrade look to slam her as like a consistent path to victory, but you definitely cannot rely on Andrade slamming Rose again if you're betting on her. But looking at the money line in this one, I think it's kind of crazy that Andrade is this much of an underdog considering she still won the first fight and she has a chance to win this one as well. So I see a lot of people betting on Andrade money line, but I think the smarter bet is Andrade no scorecards if you have access to that on five dimes or top sport in Australia. No scorecards means that if Andrade wins by finish, you win. If she loses by finish, you lose. But if the fight goes to the decision, you get your money back. 
And why that's a good uh, bet in this fight is because I believe that Nami Yunus is much more likely to win a decision if it goes to the scorecards. Like if it goes to the scorecards out of 10 times, I think Nami Yunus wins 8 out of 10 times. But if it ends by finish, I think that Andrade is the more likely finisher of the two. So that's why no scorecards is a good bet here. I believe I placed 1.25 units on Andrade no scorecards at plus 220, which are great odds. So in my opinion, the best bet of the fight is going to be Andrade no scorecards. If you don't have access to that, go with Andrade Moneyline. But in terms of a pure pick goes, I'm going to side with Rose Namunis. I think that she makes the adjustments necessary to avoid getting slammed. I think she continues to outstrike Andrade in the feet, modifies her takedown defense a little bit so she's not as likely to get slammed, and likely avoids the takedown, avoids the telegraphed offense of Andrade, and outclasses her, moves backwards, jabs her, lights her up with straight punches and knees like she was doing the first fight, and likely wins by decision i'm gonna go with rose namunas to win 29 28 i think that rose probably gets up on the scorecards in the first two rounds and maybe takes round three off just moves backwards a lot and tries not to get in any risky exchanges like the first fight so the pick for me is going to be namunas by decision and the bet is going to be andrade no scorecards the next fight is for the vacant ufc bantamweight championship between peter yan and jose aldo the opening betting line for this one was Jan minus 240 to Aldo plus 205. Right now we are seeing Jan minus 200 to Aldo plus 170. Very polarizing fight for me. Jose Aldo is my favorite MMA fighter of all time. And Peter Jan is one of my current favorite MMA fighters of all time. But in terms of predicting the fight, I do not think it's a hard one to predict at all. I think that Peter Jan is the much better fighter at this point in their careers. Aldo is past his prime. He's not fighting at his natural weight class. He looked clearly declined uh, versus Marais last fight. And I think that this is a little bit too late for Jose Aldo. I think that if uh, Aldo had fought Peter Jan from 2011 to 2017... I think I would have confidently picked Jose Aldo, but the fact that he is dropping down weight class, he's late into his career, he's been losing fights, he's been looking less and less like the, the classic prime Jose Aldo, I just think that all the signs are pointing to Peter Yan winning this fight. At one point in time, Jose Aldo had devastating leg kicks, he had amazing footwork and able to defend takedowns, defend getting pushed up against the cage, he had great defensive boxing. And in that fight versus Marlon Marais, a lot of that stuff was gone. He didn't throw any leg kicks. He was getting cage pushed a lot versus uh, Volkanovski the fight before that. His defensive boxing looked a little more lackadaisical than ever. He was a little more okay with getting hit than he had been in his previous fights. His takedown defense was not as good. He got taken down by Marlon Marais. His cardio was not as good. He started to slow down in round three significantly. He had a decent round one and round two versus Marais, but in round three, he just barely threw any volume and was outstruck and lost the fight. So in my opinion, Jose Aldo, prime Jose Aldo beats Marlon Marais easily. And the fact that he was outstruck in rounds one and three of that fight just goes to show that Aldo is not the same as he once was at this Bantamweight weight class. And getting over to Peter Yan. 
really can't say enough good things about Peter Yan. He's just a tremendous fighter. I've been hyping him up on the Martian MMA podcast since he got in the UFC about a year and a half, two years ago. And he's just improved more and more fight to fight. He's faced very little adversity in, in the UFC so far. The times that he has struggled were when he got dropped in round two versus John Dodson. He quickly recovered and honestly still won round two of that fight despite him getting dropped. And versus Jimmy Rivera, he lost a lot of minutes versus Jimmy Rivera. Specifically in rounds one and two of that fight, I think he lost the first four minutes of both of those rounds. But he was making reads, he was setting up uh, punches the entire time. And in the last 30 seconds of both of those rounds, he was able to land knockdowns on Jimmy Rivera, steal those rounds, and win the decision comfortably. So... I mean, even that fight against Jimmy Rivera, Rivera is an excellent fighter, great boxing, and was uh, a great matchup or a tough matchup for Peter Yan. And I just don't think that Aldo poses those same problems. I don't think that his boxing is as sharp. I don't think he's as fast. He's not as durable. His volume and his cardio is not the same as it once was. His takedown defense is not the same as it once was. I mean, if you're not aware of the fact that Jose Aldo has significantly significantly declined, you need to go back and rewatch Jose Aldo in his prime because Aldo is still a great fighter. I'm not saying he's a bad fighter at this point in his career, but if you look at his prime versus now, I think he's competing at like 70, maybe even 60% of what he once was fighting at. So I just don't see how you can pick Jose Aldo in this fight. I don't see how you could bet Jose Aldo in this fight. I think the, the money line of plus 170 has no value whatsoever. I think that Aldo's only way he wins this fight is by round one or round two knockout. He's going to have to be aggressive, take the fight to Peter Yan, get in aggressive exchanges, try to touch the chin of Yan. Maybe dig to the body of Peter Yan. Peter Yan loves high guarding when he's uh, defending punches. So you're going to look to see Aldo rip that uh, body like he was doing in his past few fights. Maybe even incorporate the leg kicks back into it. But you just can't rely on Aldo doing this stuff because he's largely abandoned his leg kicks. And he uh, he has gone for the finish early in a few of his fights like the Stevens fight, the Moicano fight. But those were at 45. Those were two losses ago. And I just don't think he's the same anymore. So... I think that Aldo either wins by round one or round two knockout, or Jan wins by knockout in round three, four, and five. I think that this fight going to the decision is extremely rare. Aldo has not been to a five-round decision since July of 2016, and with the way he's been looking late in fights lately, I just don't see any way he survives rounds four and five versus Peter Jan. Unless Peter Jan is extremely tentative, already has a big lead, doesn't want to go for the finish, maybe shows a little bit too much respect to to Aldo, but I still think Jan does get the finish in rounds three, four, and five. I think it's likely round three or four. I would be really, really shocked to see this one go into a round five. And, you know, as much as I'm talking, I'm not trying to disrespect Aldo. As I've said, he's my favorite fighter of all time. That's why I'm being so critical of him. And if he were to pull off this win, I would be ecstatic. I would be amazed. Um, and my bets on this fight are fight ends by knockout and fight doesn't go the distance. So I would still profit if Aldo won. But I think it's extremely unlikely. I think that Jan avoids that early storm of Aldo, is able to punish Aldo with counter punches, and eventually knocks out Jose Aldo in rounds three or four. So the pick for me is going to be Jan by third round knockout. And at minus 200, there's still some pretty significant amount of value on Peter Jan. I think that Aldo's chances in this fight 
are about 15%. So I would I would cap Jan closer to minus 600. Honestly, I think that this is uh, might be a mismatch at this point in their careers, sadly. So it's not going to be a great fight, in my opinion, because I think we see Aldo get knocked out in uh, in a, not embarrassing fashion, but in in sad fashion. So uh, once again, the pick is going to be Jan by round three knockout. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division for the UFC featherweight championship. We have champion Alexander Volkanovsky taking on former champion Max Holloway. The opening betting line for this one was Volkanovsky minus 210 to Holloway plus 170. Right now we are seeing Volkanovsky minus 200 to Holloway plus 170. So there is two-way action coming in on both sides, and that's expected. This fight is a rematch. The first fight happened just about seven or eight months ago back in December. I'll give a quick recap of how the first fight went just to refresh everyone's minds. Uh, right away, Volkanovski committed to the inside and outside leg kicks. That's something that he had studied and planned for. Uh, if you could limit Max's mobility, he's just not a, as effective of a striker. So Volkanovski was also landing the better strikes because he was confusing Max. Max was thinking about the leg kicks and then Volk was coming back with punches. So in my opinion, Volkanovski won rounds one through three convincingly. And in rounds four and five, Max started to have a little more success. He he doubled up his volume from the pr previous three rounds, and he landed a lot more strikes, and he was more competitive. But I think he was still getting outstruck in those later rounds. I mean, I honestly could have given the fight 50-45 to Volkanovski. Maybe Max won one of the last two rounds. But uh, when Max was throwing more volume, when he was throwing kicks and he was aggressive, he made the fight closer. It just seemed like in the first three rounds of the fight, Volkanovski confused him. He was uh, leg kicking him. And Max just uh, didn't have an answer early on in the fight. It seemed like Max didn't take the fight seriously at some points. He was kind of fighting lackadaisical. And before you know it, he was down three rounds and needed a finish to win his belt back. And he did not get the finish. So Volkanovski won that fight via decision. It was an amazing performance. I mean, I was picking Max in that one, was not giving Volkanovski much of a chance, but uh, Volkanovski surprised me, impressed me. It was an amazing victory over Max Holloway. So in, for the rematch, in order for Max Holloway to win, he needs to uh, address the leg kicks. That's first of all. And I do not have good faith in Max to do this because in interviews this week, he seemed to kind of downplay the leg kicks. He seemed like he said that he landed 80 leg kicks. My leg wasn't even hurting the day after. I mean, it seemed like he failed to acknowledge how significant the leg kicks were in him losing. It, he also seemed to fail to admit that he lost the fight. He Max thinks that he should have won the decision. So in my opinion, I think Max is a little delusional in, in his assessment of how that fight went. I think that Volkanovski soundly beat him, and Max d doesn't really want to admit that. And, you know, that could be the competitor in him. Uh, but in my opinion, I would like to see a little more uh, realisticness from Max to admit that he lost, to admit that he lost because of the leg kicks, and to address that and to correct that in this fight. But we have not seen that from Max. So I don't think you can confidently pick Max Holloway at all in this one. I think that you have to defaultly pick Alexander Volkanovsky to beat Max again. And Max does have a chance to adapt, to come out more aggressive, to throw more volume in the early rounds, to check leg kicks, to crowd uh, Volkanovsky, to get inside in the pocket. That's how he has to win. But I think Volkanovsky is such a smart fighter. He's fighting out of such a great camp in city kickboxing. They prepared for Max so well in the first fight. I think you have to defaultly trust them to, to execute an, another great game plan over Max Holloway and beat him. So... 
In my opinion, the pick is going to be Volkanovski by decision. Uh, the betting window, I mean, I think I would go with uh, the value is on Volkanovski money line. I think he won... 20 22 minutes of the first fight and now he's only minus 200 in the rematch uh, i think if you want to bet max holloway i would advise to go max holloway by knockout because if he wins this fight i don't think he's gonna outstrike uh volkanovsky for three out of five rounds and win a decision i think he's gonna swarm volkanovsky and try to uh get a knockout so i think uh, holloway knockout was i bet it at plus 815 last night it's still plus 700 now i still think there's some small value on that but i don't really see too much value in holloway money line i think that uh we are starting to see the decline of max holloway honestly it's really sad to see because holloway in my opinion is one of the best fighters that's ever fought in mixed martial arts but the amount of damage that he took in that dustin poirier fight he's he's been having tough fights for his past six or seven years i mean he's been in the ufc for almost 10 years straight and people seem to forget that i mean he's only 28 years old he is still young but in fighting years he's much older than that uh nine or ten years in the ufc will have a significant impact on your career so sadly enough i think that max holloway is on the decline and his his best days are behind him and I would be ecstatic to see him adapt and win his belt back and, and defeat Volkanovski here. I just do not think it happens. And I got to side with a smarter fo- fighter in Volkanovski to implement another great game plan uh, under the instruction of Eugene Behrman's city kickboxing. And I got to pick Volkanovski to win by decision again. So that's going to be the pick. And at minus 200, there is still value on Volkanovski. The next fight is the main event of the evening for the UFC welterweight championship. We have champion Kamaru Usman taking on Jorge Masvidal. The opening betting line for this one was Usman minus 260 to Masvidal plus 200. Right now we are seeing Usman minus 225 to Masvidal plus 185. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. The early action came in on Masvidal. And once the limits opened up a little bit, the action came back in on Usman. And it seems like the past 24 hours, a lot of action has come in on Jorge Masvidal. I'm looking at uh, Tuesday, he was plus 235, plus 245. And here we are 48 hours later, he's plus 185. So a lot of action coming in on Masvidal. I've also seen some tweets from uh, Sportsbook saying that like 90% of the bets coming in are on Jorge Masvidal. So a lot of casual money, a lot of fun money is coming in on Masvidal. He is the much more fan-friendly fighter. He's got the the BMF going on, the the five-second knockout last year. So a lot of casual people uh, know Masvidal and they're betting on him. But I honestly think they're all bad bets. There's no value on Masvidal, plus 240, plus 220, even plus 185 where he's at now. There's no value. I think that Usman's chances of winning are about 80%. So I think Masvidal would have to be plus 275, plus 300 for me to consider a bet on him at all. And Masvidal does have a chance to win the fight. There's there's no question he's the better striker at range, but how long will the fight take place at range? And in my opinion, it's not going to be long at all. Masvidal has great kicks, great boxing. He's even a pretty solid defensive grappler, but his kicks aren't going to be there because his kicks can get caught and he can get taken down. Masvidal had a kick caught and he was taken down by Darren Till of all people. So Usman is definitely going to be looking to do that if Masvidal kicks. So Masvidal is pretty much going to have to purely box and use footwork to avoid getting pushed against the cage, getting pressured, and eventually getting taken down by Usman. 
In my opinion, it's rather obvious that Usman is going to look to push uh, Masvidal against the cage, take him down, and implement his typical grinding against the cage uh, style of, of wrestling and grappling that he has outgrappled most of his opponents with so far. I think his uh, most impressive victories, uh, Usman, were over RDA and were over Tyron Woodley. Even his last win over Colby Covington, he showed a lot of depth in that fight. He showed extremely high output, good cardio, solid chin. I mean, he got hit with a lot of strikes on the feet in that fight, but don't let that fool you that... Usman is going to stay at kicking range and just get hit with strikes here because Masvidal is a much harder hitter than Colby Covington and Usman is not going to be able to just hang out at kicking range and uh, have a competitive kickboxing fight with Masvidal because he will be at chance uh, or at risk for getting knocked out. Masvidal hits pretty hard. He's got real power in his hands and we have seen good durability from Usman but we have not seen great defensive striking. So the prolonged striking exchanges will be won by Jorge Masvidal no doubt but the fight just won't be contested at range for long in my opinion I think Usman immediately is going to be pressuring looking to get Masvidal on the back foot looking to shoot takedowns to get Masvidal against the cage to grind him out and to just do what he does best and that should grind people out against the fence that kind of Khabib style of grappling where he focuses on control has good ground and pound and i mean usman is just a tremendous fighter i mean his striking looked improved versus uh, covington and his takedowns his top game his ground and pound his control is just immaculate so i'm really really impressed with usman lately i think he's getting better and better fight to fight he was supposed to fight gilbert burns here i i should i haven't even mentioned the fact that this fight is short notice it was supposed to be gilbert burns in there i actually think burns is a tougher matchup because uh, he's not as easy to take down. He's not as easy to hold down on the ground. And I think that uh, Masvidal is much more at risk for getting taken down and getting held down on the ground. I mean, if you look at the Damian Maya fight from three years ago, Maya is a different style of grappler than Usman, but... Maya was able to push uh, Jorge back to the cage, was able to hit single legs, and was able to eventually get uh, control, mostly via back takes, which is a, a lot different than what Usman does. Usman doesn't go for back takes. He's more of a, a top pressure mount kind of guy, uh, but I still think he will have success uh, taking Masvidal down and holding Masvidal down against the cage. And we could see Masvidal get back up to his feet a few times. He might land some some good strikes in the feet and, and maybe force uh, Usman to shoot takedowns. But I think Usman will hit those takedowns. He will keep uh, Masvidal down and likely drown Masvidal. And by rounds 3, 4, and 5, I think it should be pretty much domination by Usman. And if Jorge wants to win, it's going to be have to be by a rounds 1 or 2 finish. So... The pick in this one for me is going to be Usman by decision. I think that uh, I haven't seen enough finishing ability. He just doesn't chase finishes on the ground much. So if he's hitting takedowns, I more expect it to be like a, him just sitting on top and half guard, landing some weak punches, and definitively winning the rounds uh, like he did versus Tywin Woodley not that long ago. So the pick for me is going to be Kamara Usman to retain his title and to win this fight by decision. It's going to be a, a, a fun fight, and you know you're going to be uh, nervous during those striking exchanges on the feet, but I just think that uh, it's inevitable that Burns or that Masvidal starts taking backward steps, starts backing himself up to the cage, gets taken down and outgrappled throughout the fight. So, in terms of the betting window, 
Usman's money line is playable. Minus 225 is great value. I wouldn't bet it yet, though, because it seems like this, this fun money, this casual money is just pouring in on Masvidal. And eventually, the, the, the big action, the big bettors are going to come in on Usman. So I would look to hit Usman in the next 24 hours if you're looking to bet him because this is probably as good as his uh, price gets at minus 225. So in terms of bets for the entire card, I do not have that much action on the card yet. Uh, I will be likely betting Leo Santos as the favorite, betting Paiva as a favorite, Ozdemir as a favorite. The biggest bets of the card I have are on uh, Jan Aldo ends by KO. Jan Aldo does not go the distance. I have a bet on Andrade, no scorecards. And I will update all of my final bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. You can find that in my Twitter, uh, in the description of the YouTube videos. I am Martian MMA on Bet MMA Tips. That's where you can see all my track plays. And that is going to do it for the podcast this week. We got three UFC events coming up next week. or So we will be back with multiple, multiple U, uh, Martian MMA episodes. And I hope you all enjoyed the card this weekend. And I will see you next week. Peace. Peace.